Hi, Mama. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Excited to be here with you. We're continuing our series, Build Your House. This is based on the verse in Proverbs 14.1 that says, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. And God just kind of hit me over the head with this verse a couple weeks ago. And so we're just digging into all the ways that we can build our house and all the ways to recognize where we're tearing it down so we can try and have some awareness and take some steps to stop. So today we're digging into parenting a little bit and how we can build up our kids, how we can build life into them and not tear them down. And and this one can be kind of a hard one for me to talk about because I'm in the midst of mother, motherhood. I'm in the middle of the messiness and I am imperfect at all of the things that I am about to share with you. I fail often daily, for sure weekly at these. And it is hard because I, I know these things and I want to share them with you, but it's hard to share something with people that you're not the best at or that you're still struggling with. And so I hope you hear that. And as we go through these, I do not want them to heap guilt or shame or discouragement on top of you. These are just ideas to help inspire you and grow you and help you see the potential for where you could go with parenting, where you could go as a mom. And just remember... I'm sharing these, but I'm not perfect at them. And you are not expected to be either. And if you're not doing any of them or you've never even thought of them, that is okay. Like we are all learning and growing. And in five years, I'm going to know a whole new slew of things that I did not know now. And I'm sure I'll be like, oh, I wish I knew that back then. But that's not what motherhood's about. It's not about perfection. It's really about how God wants to use us to grow these amazing humans and how he wants to grow us through that process. And growth, I hope you know, is never linear. It's never pretty or simple or put together. It is messy. And that's how it's supposed to be. And we're going to have days that we feel like we are the best mom of all time and it's great and we are killing it. And then it could be that the very next day we feel like we are failing at every single thing and feel hopeless. That was me yesterday. (laughs) Sharing this with you right after one of those parenting days. So this is fun. God's funny. But I think if we reshape how we see motherhood and stop measuring it by, you know, this black or white standard of am I perfect? Am I this awesome Pinterest worthy, constantly killing it? And we measure ourselves by you know, how many crafts we do and how successful our kids are and all of these silly standards that really don't actually determine how well our kids are doing or how well our family is doing. And if we could just rethink it, and that's, again, why I'm always talking about healing yourself, because if you could just become a a mom, a person that is healthy and shows up fully for the people that are around you, then that is going to make your motherhood good. If you know how to regulate yourself and when you get triggered, you know how to get back down, you know how to apologize, you know how to get calm again, you know how to have real conversations and go deep. You know, if you can get yourself healthy, that is going to make your motherhood great. Not easy, not perfect, but great. And so if we could just see ourselves through that lens, here are some of the ways today I'm going to share six tips with you, actually seven, that just kind of help 
me, that, that kind of guide my motherhood. And again, I'm not perfect at these, but I hope that they can give you some some tacticals to hold on to, to kind of rethink what it means to be a good mom and, and how you can lean into that in an imperfect, messy way. Because actually, that's kind of one of my favorite parts of motherhood is the messiness, not the food on the ground, because I am so over that. <laughs> but when you mess up and you get to have a conversation about it, there is something so powerful about that. Or when your kid is scared and you get to have a conversation about it, or when they, they act out and you get to have a conversation about it, all of those mistakes are the most beautiful, amazing teaching moments. And that messiness is just what I love about it. So I hope to teach you how to see it through that lens as I am teaching myself. So let's jump in. Before we go, though, I want to say... If you have found this podcast helpful, if this is helping you grow, pointing you to Jesus, helping you rethink motherhood and healing, then I would love if you could just pause this episode real quick, take a screenshot of the show and share it on your social media. I know I'm not super present there, but you probably are. (laughs) And I just would love for more moms to be able to find this and that we could grow together and just work to change motherhood and change how we see it. So take a moment, pause it, go do that right now. It would be the biggest thank you to me and it would mean so much. So thank you for that. And let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. So we are going over seven tips to use to build up your kids, to not tear them down like it says in the Proverbs verse that we, with folly, we tear our house down. And that can be so easy to do as parents because it is so hard and we are trying to correct behavior. We're trying to guide and lead. And so often it can just end up looking like we are constantly critical and we're constantly nagging our kids and we're constantly negative towards them and only speaking about the things that are doing wrong. And it is so easy to go down that path. I mean, there are so there is so much that my toddler is doing wrong. <laughs> and I so often like take a step back in the middle of my day and I'm like, oh my gosh, like all I've done is correct him in the past hour. That's all I've done. Like, what is that doing to him? So here are some of the ways that God has just guided me to be a mom that doesn't just criticize and point out those those wrong things because they're there. Yep. Yep. They are there. But just like I've shared with my husband that if when I just point out his flaws, like it doesn't go anywhere well. And when someone points out your flaws only, how does that go for you? And again, this isn't about mom guilt. This isn't about shaming you. This is just a new way to see things, some new ideas to try and integrate. So number one, we talk about this a lot, but speak life whenever possible. So this one is so powerful. And I 
you know, we talked about speaking life into our husbands. And I just think this is so crucial for our kids. The the things that we say to them now are going to become the soundtrack of their their adulthood. They're going to become the things they go back to. So what do you want that soundtrack to sound like? What what kind of things do you want them to believe about themselves? And now I say that knowing all of you, all of you want your kids to know how amazing they are. And you think they're incredible. And you love them so much. And you probably tell them that all the time. But what I've found is that sometimes we hold this on the inside, this belief that they are so amazing. And, you know, even when they're messing up, we love them so much and we see these gifts in them. And I, I, I've realized that so often we we keep those thoughts inside. Our kids don't actually get to see that part because we're focused on, you know, trying to manage the situation, trying to correct behavior, you know, all these things that we need to do. But and so there's so much we're trying to manage that we miss this part of speaking life, even though it's going through our minds, even though we feel it and we see it and we could tell you someone all day about how amazing our kids are. So we've got to figure out a way to weave that life that we see the amazing qualities we see, we've got to figure out how to weave it into what we are sharing with our kids daily, multiple times a day, all throughout the day, that it would just become part of the rhythm of being a parent. And I don't just mean like praising, like, wow, you did a great job on that. I'm saying like speaking identity over them, like, wow, you are a great big brother. Wow. You know, even, even with all day long, he has, you know, not been gentle, but speaking that over him, you're a great big brother. Wow. You're a leader. Wow. You know, there's something, this technique that I have heard, this is from uh, Connected Families. They have a podcast, they have online courses, there's amazing content that I need. I want to go through even more, but they have this strategy for in those moments of when they, your kids are misbehaving, that even in those moments that you can speak life over them. So you look for the strength because really what's happening is their strength is being distorted and being used for bad. It's being turned into sin. But, you know, like, you know, say you're having a power struggle with your toddler or any age, really, you know, instead of focusing on like, you are not listening to me, you are not doing what I say, which gosh, even saying that I can hear how I can fall into this script so often. Often, but to even in those moments, say like, wow, you are an amazing leader. And I love how much you believe in what you're saying and that you are convicted by this and you are, you can be a powerful leader someday, but right now you're using your power for evil and you're turning it for bad. And I, I know that that's a strength that God has given you. And so I would love to help you learn to use that for good. And I would love to help you learn to be a, a, a strong leader that points people to God. And, you know, so like in the moment, trying to point out those strengths that they have, or, you know, it could look like before they're they're going off to their day at school, you know, just ending it as, as they go like, hey, you're strong and courageous. Like God made you good. You're a, a smart, handsome boy. You're a great friend. You know, just speaking these these words of life over them as you send them on their way. You know, and this can happen in, in, in so many moments throughout the day. 
I've been lately trying to teach my son the verse, be strong and courageous and do not fear that your Lord, the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And so just trying to like help God's word, and we'll get to this in a minute, but the the identity that God speaks over us to help it be the soundtrack of his mind and his heart and trying to help him take that and internalize it. And really the things that the, the life that we speak, the good things we speak of our kids, it actually needs to be way more, at least double the negative things that we say to them. And looking at that, that feels daunting. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, but all these moments where he wasn't listening and, and you know, he was misbehaving and all these things, like it's so easy to, in the, like, there's, there's so much that comes out of that moment that you're having to, to manage. But if we really want the life, the truth, of them to be the soundtrack of their minds and their hearts as they grow up, it's got to be at least double the negative things we're speaking into them. So figure out how to make this a habit. You know, one of the ways to form a habit is they talk about having a cue. So this is like something that reminds you to begin the habit. Like if you wanted to try and make sure you went to the gym every morning, you would put your gym bag right by your bed. So when you wake up in the morning, there's your cue. You got to grab your bag and go to the gym. And the same thing can go with trying to form a habit of speaking life into our kids. Form some cues throughout your day. So, you know, maybe if if they do go to school, that could be one of your cues. You're in the car and as you drive to school, you're not talking about how they messed up. You know, you're talking, you're speaking life to them. That's one of your cues to begin speaking that life over them. And then maybe another cue could be at each meal. And, you know, your cue is, hey, I just want to remind you that you are an amazing child of God and God made you so good. And some of your strengths are that you are so bold with your faith. And I love how you're always inviting your friends to church. Like you are an amazing light of God in the world. So find some cues throughout your day. I mean, like, like we talked about, even those moments of discipline can be cues, but I know those can be harder to, to tackle it that way. So start with something easy. Start with the, the meals. That's great. Like, you know, three times a day. There it is. You're going to speak life over your kids. And then you can work your way up to using it even in moments of discipline. All right, number two, second tip I have is to look beneath the behavior. So when your kids are misbehaving, when your kids are not listening, when your kids are being rude or mean, there is some kind of pain that is being triggered in them that is causing them to act that way. Now, when I say causing, it doesn't mean it's not sin. It doesn't mean we don't hold them accountable to that, but there's something underneath it. If they are acting up, they are triggered by something they are not regulated. And so, you know, if you want to go more into this, the restoration theory episodes, 15 through 20, I talk about them all the time because restoration theory is just amazing. And it talks about our pain cycles and what is underneath our destructive coping. And what it is, is core childhood wounds, you know, that are still being formed in our kids, but they have them. And that when those wounds get triggered, it's going to cause them to do this destructive coping. So they're, they're trying to regulate themselves by doing these actions like throwing themselves on the floor and screaming. And, you know, I'm talking toddler. I know this, this shows up in every kid, no matter their age, but you know, I have a toddler, so I'm always referencing that. But however old your kid is, there's something underneath that misbehavior. And so try to change the lens of how you see it. And really, if you really want to 
take this on and, and change that lens, you've got to first do it for yourself. So if you can begin to understand yourself and figure out what your pain cycle is and begin to see your negative actions through the lens of, wow, I was actually triggered in that moment and that's why I did that. Again, doesn't make you not responsible, but it helps you understand where it was coming from, why you made that bad decision. And so if you you have to kind of first begin seeing yourself that way, or it's going to be really hard to change how you see your kids. So again, <laughs> heal yourself, do the work to understand yourselves, to understand your pain points, and then you're going to be able to transform every relationship in your life. And so this goes with your kids. In those moments, try and imagine what they might be feeling. Uh, have you been on your phone a lot that day? Are they like really wanting your attention? Maybe they're feeling alone. Have they had time with you today? Are they feeling connected and loved? Or maybe they're feeling unloved. Did they just start something new? Is there, you know, maybe they're feeling insecure, inadequate. Maybe they're feeling out of control with this new change. And any kind of change, that is for sure, especially for young kids, a big, can be a big trigger. Even if you feel like there's a lot of preparation or even if you feel like it started a while ago, it can take weeks for them to adjust, sometimes months. Maybe they're trying to learn a new skill. That can be super triggering for even adults. Like that's, there's nothing that triggers my inadequacy more than trying to learn something new. Phew. So what, think about in that moment, put yourself in your kid's shoes. What might they be feeling? What might be under this misbehavior? And once you figure out what that is, you know, you can, if you, you know, have learned restoration theory, you can walk them through the four steps and that's great. But, you know, if you're, if you're not that far in, number three is going to help. So this is number three is to create a safe space for real conversation. So making it a point to let your kids know that you are available, that you want to hear how they're feeling, what they're thinking. You want to create a slowed down space to really go there and talk about these things. So in the middle of that tantrum, you know, if it's too intense, it, this might not be the moment, but if they're, you know, just kind of frustrated, I have <laughs> noticed that like I, you know, at first feel triggered and I see myself going down that path, but then I like stop myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think, you know, he might be worried about going to school the next day. You know, I know he just started and there's, you know, whatever, new teacher, new kid. And I have stopped in the middle and said, hey, you know, sometimes when I start something new, I feel really nervous and I kind of, oh, just get this feeling in my tummy. I feel really nervous about the next day because I've never been to this place before and I've never met these people and I don't know if they're going to like me. I don't know if they're going to be nice to me. And I get really nervous about starting something new. And actually, I think most people do, kids and adults. Do you feel that way at all? Have you ever felt that way? And just kind of like disclosing something that you have felt and inviting them into an opportunity to share what they might be going through, helping them identify what's going on. I know it took me so long in my life to figure out what I was feeling like I just would be in my anger and I didn't know how I got there. And so like helping them recognize what that feeling is in their tummy or helping them recognize why they're acting out right now is, oh my gosh, they're nervous about the next day. And so the more that you can teach them to feel those things and see those things and understand those things, the more that they can use that. And instead of 
you know, acting out, they're going to be able to talk to you about it and say like, hey, mommy, I'm feeling nervous because now they have a language for it. Now they, they can begin to recognize it. And it might take many times of you doing this before they're able to, to, to voice it on their own, but you are teaching them. And one tip for this is just to go in with curiosity, you know, asking questions and being curious because we can sometimes so easily produce our own feelings onto our kids and they're not actually feeling that. And so, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, I know that you're feeling nervous about tomorrow. I mean, because even if they are, like, how does that feel for you when someone's like, oh, I know that you feel inadequate right now? Like, usually doesn't feel good. Like, we kind of usually have to call that out in ourselves. And so approaching it with a curiosity kind of allows them to, maybe they would say like, no, I don't feel nervous. I feel really sad because I'm going to miss you tomorrow. I I don't want to be away from you, you know? And so you just, that curiosity, like approaching it, opening up the conversation, but allowing them to kind of share what's, what's really on their heart. And I even do this, and this is going to kind of touch on the next one too, but I even do this with when they make a mistake and they do something bad or whatever you want to label it as, you know, I've shared with my son, like, Hey, you know, sometimes I have gotten really angry with people in moments and I have said things that I did not, I regretted later. And I was so angry at myself even for hurting that person in that way. And, you know, it doesn't feel good. I feel so yucky in my body. And, you know, I've, and then I, I, I tell him how I've gotten through that. I've said like, you know, what, what I've found is that if I can tell it to God and, and ask God to forgive me and then talk to the person about it and ask them to forgive me. I feel so much better. And so just kind of walking him through even the mistakes that I've made. And there's bigger things too, you know, that I've mistakes that I've made. And I just think him seeing my humanness, him seeing he's not alone. Like, isn't that one of the biggest things that we struggle with is feeling alone in our, in in all the things that we walk through and feeling inadequate and feeling like we're so horrible for doing that thing. But there's so much power in knowing that we're not alone. And so if we can show our kids now that they're they're already not alone, like we've walked that same road, we've made those same mistakes, then they can know that they're not alone in that shame that so easily cripples so many of us. It won't be able to catch up with them because instead of taking on shame, they'll just know, oh, all I need to do is confess. Hey, God, I'm sorry. Hey, mom, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And on that note, a quick side tip. I might have shared it before, but it's like one of my favorite things. My friend Becky taught this to me. Teach your kids and and yourself. When someone says, will you forgive me or I'm sorry, you could say, I forgive you. Instead of saying it's okay. Because what they did isn't okay. It's it's sin. It's not It's not good, you know, especially if they hurt someone. It's not okay. But they're forgiven. And so I've, I've taught my kids to ask for forgiveness. And I always tell them, I forgive you. And as they get older and understand a little bit more, I'm going to continue to teach them that when someone else says that they're sorry to them, instead of saying it's okay, they're going to say, I forgive you. I just love that tip. So there, that's, that's free today. Okay. Number four, we kind of touched on this, but show them your weakness. Show them your weakness. Own your weaknesses. Apologize for your weaknesses. Work on your weaknesses. But don't 
ever feel like you have to put on this face like you're the perfect mom, like you're the perfect human, like you have it all together, that actually is going to tear them down because they're going to think that's what they're supposed to do. Or they're going to think, well, mom has it all together. Why am I screwing up so much? Or they're going to think that they have to hide all of that. They're going to think that they have to look perfect, that they can't own their weaknesses and their sins, and they can't just be vulnerable with that. Help them see how to choose vulnerability. Help them see how to confess. Help them see what it looks like to have a humble heart. And I think this is one of the most powerful things that you can demonstrate to your kids. To apologize when you mess up. Hey, bud, I really messed up back there. Even if they did something wrong too. So this is where I find myself a lot is sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm great at staying regulated through my son's tantrums and I'm there for him and I don't get dysregulated and I have my boundaries and consequences and, you know, everything goes as great. And then sometimes he triggers me and I lose my temper and I yell or I just, you know, lose my cool, like my tone or, or something I say, it just isn't nice. And so I can't ignore what he did. But what I do is I go in, you know, I usually send him for a timeout, which, you know, there's lots of forms of discipline. I don't think any of them are perfect. What I have found for us that works is a timeout because it gives us both a chance to cool down. And that is crucial, especially for me, really for both of us. So I give him a few minutes to calm down and give myself a few minutes to calm down. And then I go up there. And before I talk about his behavior, I say, hey, bud, I need to apologize to you. I lost my temper back there and I yelled at you and I don't want to yell at you. I, I, I don't think that's right. And will you please forgive me? Before we even talk about what he did, we go there because I'm the adult. I need to show him how to do it. Like, I need to go first. And you know, we talk about that for a minute and then I say, okay, your turn. And then sometimes he leads it and sometimes I have to lead him and ask him, okay, what did you do wrong? And we, you know, we go down this path, but you've got to demonstrate how to be humble. Got to show them that no one's expected to be perfect. And, you know, we all have our struggles. So the cool thing is, That means that you have to hide your weaknesses less. (laughs) I'm not trying to say like, just lose your cool and do it on purpose. But we all know that that's at some point probably going to happen if you struggle with anger. You know, some of you struggle with other things. And so, you know, you're going to struggle in those ways. But we've all got to, to own it. And that can be hard, but can also be freeing because you realize you don't have to try and look perfect in front of your kids because that's not helpful. All right, number five, you know, just after sharing how to see underneath our kids' misbehavior, how to speak life into them, I also just want to make it a point to say, like, it is also equally important to be firm and consistent with our boundaries and our discipline. Now, saying being firm doesn't mean that I don't do it in love. It doesn't mean I don't ever show him grace. It doesn't mean that I do it in anger. But our kids... We just talked about this on our boundaries episodes with kids. Our kids thrive on boundaries. They feel safe when there's boundaries. When there's consistency, that helps them feel safe and it helps them learn and grow. And so we have to, we don't just turn away and just focus on the good things they're doing and the good things about them because there is a sin nature in all of us. That's what the Bible talks about. 
And so we do need to be consistent in how we discipline. And we can't just let things go. Like sometimes, okay, have you ever done this? I, out of the corner of my eye, see my son doing something that I know he shouldn't be doing. And I'm like, okay, he doesn't know I'm looking at him. Maybe I can just pretend like I didn't see it. It'll just be easier. Oh, as I'm so tempted by that sometimes, you know, this is like if he's not hurting someone, but he's doing something he know he shouldn't be doing. But <laughs> most of the time I try and tell myself, nope, we got to go there. Because each of these opportunities, every time they misbehave, every time they don't listen, every time you don't miss, you don't behave, all of it is an opportunity for learning. And if we shy away from those moments and we aren't consistent and we aren't firm, then they're going to have trouble learning. And we want them, we want to go them to go into the world knowing how to be kind and how to be the light of Jesus and how to handle their emotions and what that there are real consequences for not following God's ways. Like, you know, the consequences look different when you're a kid, when you're an adult, but like I would much rather them have the consequences I'm giving them than the consequences they're going to face in the world if they don't learn to follow what God is calling them to. If they don't learn to follow the laws that God has laid out. So lean in. Don't ignore those moments. It's a great opportunity for teaching, even when it's hard. All right, number six. Oh, I talk about this all the time because it's so important. Point them to Jesus. So read the Bible in the morning with them. The kids Bible, that's what we do. Pray with them whenever you find an opportunity. Help them memorize scripture. This is one I need to do better is in hard moments, pray together in that moment in the middle of it. That is something that I aim to do. And there's been seasons where I've been good at it, but I really want to, I want to do better at that because that just shows them like, hey, when they're in this moment of distress, what do they do? They need to turn to God. God will give them the strength and the direction and the peace and everything that they need to get through it. The more that we can consistently throughout their day, point them to God, it's going to show them how to do that in their lives because we know that we can't give them everything that they need. Like there's so much they need to be successful and to thrive in this world. And we know that the only way, if you believe in Jesus, you know that the only way to do it is through a relationship with God through the intimacy that is found in that space. And that's the only way to be truly healthy and truly to thrive and truly to heal. And so the more that we can figure out how to point them to Jesus, like if you're praying in a moment because you're like, God, give me patience, do it out loud. Like let them see you reach out for Jesus. Let them see you seeking him and leaning on him and that they aren't supposed to do it alone. Like this is how we, how we live. This is how we thrive. So figure out how you can point them to Jesus in, in all the little ways. And we could go on and on about this topic and maybe we can talk about it another time. But just start with opening up to them about when you are relying on Jesus. Share with them when you're praying. Let them in on that conversation. Let them see you when you're doing your time with God in the morning and you're reading your Bible. Show them what it looks like to have healthy rhythms in our relationship with God. And then you can also, with this one, set up some cues of like when to pray for them. Like, you know, our cue before every meal is to pray. I know that's a tradition for many families. And I think it's so great because it just is a reminder to lean back into God. So have some cues like that. I know every time for bedtime, I pray over them, you know, so develop some of these cues in their day. So that's going to remind you to be praying for them, not just in your head, but over them out loud. They can hear you. They can do it with you as they get older. 
And even if you're not comfortable praying out loud, I think that's actually really beautiful because you get to show them that that we get to show up to God imperfectly. Like God doesn't expect us to perform. He doesn't expect us to to say things a certain way that we get to just show up with faith like a child, right? And we get to just be at our daddy's feet, show them how to do that. So I think it's even more beautiful if it's praying out loud, doesn't feel comfortable or easy, or you feel like you're going to say the wrong thing, you're not. Even if you do, God's got you. <laughs> Just show them what it looks like to lean into that relationship. And number seven, we, we are talking about this, but pray daily. And so yes, pray for them. But this, I'm more thinking of pray for them on your own, like in that time with God with that you have, make sure you're praying for them. You know, our kids are living in a crazy world and it's only getting worse. They need to be shielded by prayer. Prayer is real. It really works. And we've got to make sure we're covering our kids on a daily basis to make sure you are spending that time with God, praying over each of your kids every day and even asking God for a verse, a life verse to pray over them. I have a verse for each of my kids that I pray over them almost every day. And just ask God to show you what what verse that would be. All right, Mama, I hope that you have just seen some new ways to kind of show up for your kids that, you know, it doesn't have to look perfect, but actually leaning into your imperfections is one of the most beautiful ways that you can show up. And instead of feeling like you need to do more, more activities, more crafts, more cooking, more, I don't know. You can actually slow it down and do less, like just make space for real conversation. Have some slow moments where you get to lean into that, where you get to ask how they're really doing, ask what they're really feeling. Look underneath what's really going on. And that's the thing, like when we get so busy with all these activities, sometimes we're just rushing out the door. We don't have time to figure out what's really going on, what's underneath this. We just got to get the kids in the car and get to the place on time so we can do the thing. But is that what your kid needs? Or is it those moments of digging in and talking about how they're feeling and talking about what's going on? And I know there's always going to be activities and that's great and it is good for your kids. But I'm just talking about not making that the priority, not making that the thing that that makes you feel like you're being a good mom or what you're supposed to be doing. Simply slowing down being your real self, showing up fully, that is more powerful than any of it, than any Pinterest activity you could do, than any sports activity they could be in. Just be you authentically. Let me just pray for you. God, I thank you for these mamas. I thank you for how you're speaking to them. I thank you for how you're equipping them. Have you already equipped them to be this mom, God, that you have called them to this place? And you are using them to build up these kids. God, I pray that you would be with them. You would give them patience. You would give them wisdom. You would help them to see these moments where they can slow down, where they can own their weaknesses. They can talk about them. They can show these kids how to just walk out this imperfect walk with you, God. And I just thank you that you are in the midst of those conversations, God, and that you're going to show up in a mighty way. And I just, I rebuke any shame that anyone would have from listening to this. God, we just cast it away. We just pray that you would show them how they are being an amazing mom right now. Thank you, God, that you don't expect us to be perfect. You're so good. We love and we trust you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I love you, Mama. 
If you've found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Thank you.